Hey there, boys and girls. Welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. I'm your host, Andrew Brandt. We are ably produced by one Brian Neal. The music you hear is from my son, our musical producer, Sam Brandt. I got rants this week. We are presented, as always, by DraftKings. And you know what I'm going to talk about first. It's in the news. Here we record on Monday, November 15th, 9 a.m. tomorrow. Stock sale in Green Bay, Wisconsin. I'll be talking a lot about that. Take people behind the curtain, what that stock sale means for the Packers. I got a comment on the John Gruden lawsuit against the NFL. We'll talk about that. And I got some thoughts about the baseball, Major League Baseball enters the Brant's Rants Business of Sports podcast. I'm really interested in the whole negotiating process coming up, collective bargaining in baseball. We'll get to all that in my Brant's Rants edition. It's going to be a fun one. First, a word from Cuts Clothing. I'm wearing it right now. This pink, beige, whatever you want to call it, sweatshirt. I like it. So comfortable. It's Cuts Clothing. Guys, work attire has changed. The days of wearing uncomfortable clothes, it's over. You don't have to sacrifice style for comfort with Cuts Clothing. Never been a better time to give Cuts Clothing a try. It's kicking off a holiday sale this week with 30% off site-wide now through December 3rd. I love it. It's soft. It's custom-engineered. Tri-blend teaser grade. It's a bold new take on a classic design. Combines the ultimate blend of high-quality cotton, polyester, spandex. See, it's professional enough to go back to the office if you're doing that. Working from home, I do that a lot. Cuts has work leisure so well. You can wear it anywhere. And it's got a lot of variety, too, which is great. So, Shipageddon, we're calling it. Shipageddon 2021. It's coming now. In preparation, Cuts is starting their sales season early for you. With 30% off site-wide starting November 9th, we're already in it. So you can have worry-free holiday shopping. Head over to CutsClothing.com. Get 30% off site-wide through December 3rd. Upgrade your wardrobe with their world-famous shirts, joggers, outerwear like this sweatshirt I'm wearing right now. That's CutsClothing.com. Okay, rants. We start with the Green Bay Packers. I know I've been talking about them a lot. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers, that's what we were talking about with the Packers, but that was more focused on Aaron and, of course, whatever was going on with the team and allowing him to continue to conduct those press conferences without a mask. We move gears in the same team, Green Bay Packers, who coming off that glorious win yesterday. By the way, they could win that way with Jordan Love or any quarterback. A running game and a monster defense, which shut out Russell Wilson. I know he's come back from injury, but shut him out. What a game. Green Bay Packers looking like a team that hardly needed, hardly needed one Aaron Rodgers coming back from a COVID uh, situation. So now we talk about it. Tuesday morning, tomorrow morning, 9 a.m., the Packers start their stock sale. They have done this before. They did it back in, I believe, 1997 or 98 before your host of the Business of Sports podcast entered Green Bay, Wisconsin. I came there in 99, so I was not there for that stock sale, and I was not there for the one after it, which came in, I don't know, the teens somewhere. We had already moved on from the Packers, and now they're doing it again. They are selling 300,000 shares for 300. That means 90 million, and yes, of course, it will sell out. Okay, so a lot to, a lot to unpack here. The first thing I'll say is really the reaction you get to this. For people who are not Packers fans, here's the reaction. 
you mean to tell me people are paying $300 for a piece of paper that's non-transferable, non-transferable, has no uh, transferable value, and does not pay a dividend? Why would they do that? Now you get a reaction from Packer fans. And this is the reaction I usually get. This is the most valuable thing I own. And they put it on the wall and they put it in their shrine and they are so proud to have this stock certificate. They've gone for $200. I think the last round was $250. And here we are, $300. So let's put it into real terms. You're paying $300 for a piece of paper that says you are a one share owner of the Green Bay Packers. You have no ability to transact business for the Green Bay Packers. You are technically the owner. You were my owner when I was there for 10 years, but you have no ability to operate the Green Bay Packers. You certainly have no value that you're going to get if you sell it, unless you sell it to a friend for the same amount. And there's no dividend and there is no transferability to these things. But you got to be a Packer fan to understand this. And my Twitter feed has been going crazy today with people going back and forth with a lot of the Packer fans saying, wait a minute, what? wait a minute, all these other teams, people buy jerseys, they buy memorabilia, this is the same thing. How can people get on Packers fans for buying a piece of stock? It's the same thing. Ultimate, and one person said, I thought it was interesting, this was the first and the ultimate NFT, non-fungible token. You're an owner. Now we can make fun of it. And listen, I reported to these hundreds of thousands of cheese heads when I worked there for 10 years. But listen, this is what sports is. Sports is romance. Sports is emotion. And when I first moved to Green Bay and I started looking for a house to buy, I was just amazed that I would guess 80% of the houses I looked at had what I call Packer Shrine Rooms. So there'd be green carpeting, there'd be green wallpaper, there'd be pictures of Packer players, and there would be this stock certificate. I guess at that time from the 1997 or 98 stock sale. And they would be so proud, so proud. People who are not understanding this do not get Packer fans. It's different people. I lived it for 10 years. There are no fans like Packer fans. They feel an ownership, not in a billionaire sense with the normal ownership, but they feel a real way they wrap themselves around this team. And sometimes I can tell you it was intimidating. They knew all about you. I was not the coach. I was not the general manager, but they knew me and they knew a lot about me and they knew my family. And ultimately, I think it's part of the reason I left where I just felt like I can't live a normal life. And I can't go outside my house in Green Bay and not, not be asked and talk about the Packers. So you see the helmet back there. This is the day or tomorrow when you hear this. It is the day. November 16th, stock sale just in time for the holidays, right? Everyone's going to jump on this and they will sell 90 million and they will raise 90 million. So people ask me, so where's that money go? It goes to the same place all the revenue goes in Green Bay. You can We called it the Preservation Fund, just to use a name that we would never leave Green Bay. You can call it the fund. It's where the money is, and it's where the money I access to pay $100 million to $150 million to $200 million of player payroll. That's the money. 
And yes, it is printing money. Absolutely. Because they offer this sale, $300,000, $300, they will sell out. They could offer more. They could print as much as they wanted with Packer fans. Not only Green Bay, not only Wisconsin, not only the region, the country, the world. Although I guess you can't get it out. It's only a U.S. sale right now. The country, of course, they'll sell out. And what is interesting is last week, as we know, the Packers were fined $300,000. Those are the sanctions for continuing to allow COVID protocols to be broken. I guess Aaron Rodgers doing his press conferences from the media room without a mask, which, of course, the Packers just allowed because they weren't going to upset their superstar and say, you got to put on a mask, which he would have said, I'm not doing that. So they are charged $300,000. As I said, they'll make that money in the first 15 minutes tomorrow. They'll make it in the first 15 minutes of the stock sale, $300,000. So, so that's selling a thousand, right? No, I'm selling That's selling 300 times. Yes. Math is not my forte. 300 per share selling a thousand. I'll take them 10 minutes. Take them 10 minutes to sell out a thousand at 9 a.m. tomorrow. I guess it's central time. By 9.15 central, they'll have paid the NFL fine for violating COVID protocols all year long, allowing Aaron Rodgers to do press conferences without a mask. This is Packer Nation. They are invested. And that's the right word to use because there are going to be a lot of people making investments that they've already made in previous stock sales. They've already made in terms of memorabilia, they've shrined, they have jerseys, they have all this stuff with Packers, the helmet you see back there. They're going to invest more. They're just going to. It's just different. You can't explain Packer fans. I lived it. They live and breathe the team. I was in Washington, D.C. this weekend, and there was a memorial service, unfortunately, I lost, I didn't lose a close friend. I, my close friend's brother passed. So I went to the service and the service was in the middle of the day and the Washington football team was playing and people are like, oh yeah, they're playing now, but we're at the service. We're not really watching. We don't care. And they actually beat the world champion Buccaneers in that game. But I'm like, oh my God, if this was in Green Bay, you could not have that memorial service in the middle of the day during a Packers game. You just couldn't. You'd have it at night. You'd have it on a Monday. You'd have it Sunday morning at 8 a.m. You just wouldn't. You plan your schedule around Packers, period. And that's not unusual. It's everyone. So anyway, Packers sale, tomorrow stock sale. And again, the reactions are polarized between non-Packer fans, which I get it. It's not your team. And Packer fans. And when I say to people, they say, well, why would I ever do that? Why would people do that? It's non-transferable. It has no value. What is it? Why, why would you do that? And then I say, you must not be a Packer fan. And then they say, oh, yeah, I guess. If the Red Sox did that, if the Giants did that, if the 49ers did that, they would buy. And some of these teams do other stuff. They do bricks. They do signs. They do whatever. And people buy. But you need an incredibly loyal and passionate fan base. And there's no more loyal. I would say no more loyal and passionate fan base than Green Bay. And I know I'm in Philly, huge, passionate fan base. Absolutely. But it's not like Green Bay. 
because in Philly you have the Flyers and the Sixers and the Phillies and the Eagles and college sports and this and that and people are in Jersey and people are, you know, no, no, you got Packers. That's it. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Okay. I'm going to leave it there. I am interested in see how long it takes to sell out $300,000, 300,000 shares at $300, $90 million. It will go. There's no question in my mind. They could have made it $100 million, $150 million, $200 million. Easy money. They're printing money. Will it be used for players? Yes. Will it be used for facilities? Yes. Could it be used for real estate in and around Lambeau Field? Yes. All of the above. It has been used that before. It will again. I know it sounds silly even to some non-Packer fans, but if you're in it as a Green Bay person, Packer fan, you understand. I want to get to my next rant, but first a word from Keeps.com. Do you know two out of three men that's 50 million men have some form of hair loss by the time they're 35 with suffering from some form of male pattern baldness. There's only two medications FDA approved that can prevent hair loss and Keeps offers both of them. It's a simple, stress-free way to keep your hair. It's convenient, virtual appointments. You don't have to leave your home. Discreet packaging comes right to the home and it has more five-star reviews than any of its competitors. So, if you're ready to take action, prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash BOS for business of sports. Get your first month of treatment for free. That's keeps.com slash BOS. Get your first month for free. Keeps.com slash BOS. Okay. We knew it was going to happen. There were going to be lawyers and there will be lawyers and there are lawyers. John Gruden was not going to go away quietly. He's a guy that's full of gusto and bravado and energy and vibrancy. John Gruden's not going to hide from the NFL after they found these emails. We have talked a lot about this. Out of a treasure trove of 650,000 emails, a few appear, one, and they come from John Gruden, at that time an ESPN Monday Night Football announcer, and guess what? They don't look good. First, a racist diatribe against Demore Smith, the head of the union. Somehow they were leaked out a day before Demore Smith reelection vote. Then there's racist emails about others. There's homophobic, there's misogynistic, there's exchange of naked or topless cheerleaders. There's talk about Goodell. It's bad. And the drip, drip, drip continues through the weekend. Whoever leaked it wanted him out. And they got him out. Mark Davis fired him. Well, it was a resignation, but obviously a firing. And we don't know exactly who on high made this happen. But we continue to wonder what else is in the emails. We saw a little bit about Bruce Allen and his favorable treatment he got for the Washington team with Jeff Pash and other things. But listen, there's obviously more in this trove. Washington football team is being protected by the commissioner. We, I've talked to the women that work there who were dumbfounded. There was no written report of the findings, all an oral report and all done at the behest of the commissioner. Mark Davis, ironically, said there should have been a written report. And Mark Davis, we wonder if really wanted to fire John Gruden. I don't think he did. John Gruden fires back. 
So it's filed in Nevada state court. It's against the NFL. It's against Commissioner Goodell. And this is another salvo from lawyers. And yes, we knew this would come. John Gruden is not going to sit back. Now, we don't know his financial settlement. My sense is that was with the Raiders and maybe they're paying him out. Maybe not. Of course, I would think they would have paid him a lot of money to maybe shut him up, at least about the Raiders, maybe not about the league. But whatever he signed didn't release any claims against the NFL because he's filed them. Now, of course, I'm not in a position to predict whether this will be successful or not, because again, just like the Kaepernick suit, you have to find the smoking gun emails, the smoking gun communications that said about the NFL, what they did to Gruden that's in there from the commissioner to another person, from owners to owners, from teams to teams about Gruden. That would be interesting to find out. But the key, of course, when you speak of find out, is discovery. That's a big portion of these trials. And that's what the leverage and the threat to the NFL is, to get all this out in the open, which the NFL, by the way, that they haven't released anything beyond Gruden, doesn't want. So again, this all relates to this trove of emails People suggest and have said maybe Daniel Snyder, the owner of Washington football team, leaked them out. I would think that is not the case because I give him more credit than that. To leak this out, first of all, no one worth their salt is going to realize, is going to not think leaking this out is the end of it, right? Or he's going to think it's going to be the end of it. If you leak this out, there's going to be more inquiry. And the Washington football team investigation ended in July and we all kind of went away from it. And then this came out and we're back. What happened beyond John Gruden emails? So whoever leaked this, I don't think it's someone from Washington football because it's coming back on them. Of course it is. I don't think it's the commissioner. It's coming back on him. Why is he protecting them? I don't know who it is. But I think anyone in the league that's now coming back on, like Washington, like the commissioner, they wouldn't have leaked it because they had to see this happening. They had to see the Pandora's box that would be opened by this. So that's where we are. Now, the legal calendar does not move as quickly as we think it should with this Twitter news cycle and the fast nature of the news. So this will take a while. But the NFL's got some problems here. They've got this Washington football team situation that continues to have people like Congress demanding more transparency. They've got this lawsuit in St. Louis that's going to trial in January with a biased home jury that could rule against the NFL for millions, even billions of dollars. And whether Stan Kroenke, the owner from St. Louis that moved the team to L.A., is going to indemnify, in other words, pay back NFL owners remains to be seen. Now they'll feel good on appeal, especially if this jury is biased, but we'll see. And now they've got this liability with John Gruden, maybe not as much financial as reputational and moral if and when discovery brings everything out. John Gruden, as I said a month ago, would not go quietly. There are lawyers. Okay. I have one more rant about Major League Baseball that I think is really interesting. And I'll get to that after a word from AutoZone. It's the free fix finder service at AutoZone. You can troubleshoot more dashboard lights 
check engine light, ABS light, service interval light. The free fix finder will give you possible solutions for your lights, all backed by verified technicians. They'll even send you your full results in a detailed fix finder report straight to your email. So you'll have all the information you need to take on the fix. And if you need a bit of help from a repair shop, AutoZone will even refer you to a nearby shop that you can trust. It's the most complete free warning light report backed by a technician verified fixes, and you can only find it at AutoZone. So next time your dashboard lights pay you a visit, just make it to the zone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Okay, my final rant is about baseball. I saw something in the news that I thought was really interesting. When I see something like this in sports law, sports business, I think it's worth talking about. Major League Baseball is entering into collective bargaining. Their CBA, collective bargaining agreement, has expired. So here we go into the season of labor pains, as I call it. As you know, I've covered labor situations in the NFL from 2011 to 2020, and I went into all the details of those collective bargaining agreements. I don't know baseball quite as well, but I know this. First of all, the difference between baseball and all the other sports, as many people know, is there is no salary cap. Why is there no salary cap? The only answer I can give you is that the Players Association, starting way back with Marvin Miller 30 years ago, 50 years ago, sorry, decided that they're going to resist and they've had more strength than any Players Association. And sometimes I hear, well, football players can't get anything done because they're so big and they'll never agree on anything. Yeah, I mean, there's more football players than baseball players, but that doesn't mean you give up. Baseball players wouldn't give up. And baseball lords were more futile than any back in the day, but baseball players made gains. Football players haven't been able to do that. Having said that, we go into bargaining, and there are a couple proposals by ownership that baseball is owned players are going to consider as they go into this collective bargaining period that caught my eye, and we'll see if they either accelerate or decelerate negotiations and whether we even have a season starting in March. Number one, they are offering free agency to the players, not after a number of years in the league, but a birth date. So the proposal that I've seen from baseball is that players will become free agents at age 29 and a half. How they pick that, who knows? Maybe they're starting there and it becomes a proposal negotiation between age, say, 27 and 29 and a half and see where they end up. Now, for a lot of players, the 29 and a half works out worse than it would under the current system. The current system is years zero through three, the team has all the rights. Years three, four, five, after years three, four, five, there's salary arbitration, which I'll get to more in a minute. And after year six in the league, you're a free agent. For a lot of players, they're free agents before age 29 and a half. There are players you can point to to say, hey, these players would be better off because they didn't reach free agency till age 30 or 31. But that's a proposal from management. And like I said, I'm looking at that. If they come in at 29 and a half, the players are going to say, well, we, we are more advantaged by having it the way it is, six years, because look at all these players that would be free agents and wouldn't be if it was 29 and a half. So if the owners are intent on having a age rather than years of service, it's going to negotiate. And the players can maybe come in at 27 years old and maybe they meet up at 28 or 28 to five. It's going to be a birth date situation. 
So that is interesting. You know, I'm used to basketball, baseball, hockey, football, having years of service get you to free agency. You're zero, again, you're usually under team control. You're zero, one, two, three, some form of restricted free agency or salary arbitration, years three, sometimes year four. Base football, year four, you're completely unrestricted free agency, assuming you don't have a contract anymore. Baseball, it's taken six years, but you have that pot of gold and bigger salaries in baseball once you hit six years. But maybe the owners are trying to make it not just six years. They're trying to make it 29 and a half. So that's interesting. I really think that's an interesting thing. The second thing I thought was fascinating about the baseball owners potentially proposing this to the players, salary arbitration, which is, again, after years three, four, five, the way it's done now is owners give a number to, and a player gives a number, and the arbitrator cannot be King Solomonic and split the baby. The owner or the player's side is chosen. So that way you don't come in with these outrageous, unreasonable numbers. So say a shortstop comes in at, after year three and say, I should make $12 million. The owners come back, the owner of the team, the team comes back and says, you should make $6 million. Maybe they meet at $9 million. Maybe they don't. They try to negotiate. If they don't, the arbitrator picks one or the other number. What I've seen from baseball, according to reports, is they want to take the arbitrator out of it and pay these arbitration-eligible players based on war, wins above replacement, based on what the algorithm says they should make. Fascinating. I think the players will turn it down because the players are winning even when they lose in arbitration because they can point to some, if they are shortstop that hit 210, they can point to some shortstop who hit 210 that's making a lot of money. That's always a good thing for baseball players. But here we are. We've got a situation where baseball players are going to be presented with something that's war. Baseball is the ultimate, right, with analytics. So the war analytic will determine what these arbitration eligible players are paid. You take it out of the, the negotiation system, you take it out of the arbitration system, and you make it all analytical. It's almost like, wow, Moneyball on steroids. Moneyball, we've always talked about in terms of scouting and coaching, but Moneyball in terms of what players make, this would be fascinating. I don't know if players would even accept this or even look at it. But can you imagine there's no negotiation? You put up your stats, you're arbitration eligible, and the algorithm tells you what you're going to make after year three, after year four, after year five, unless, of course, the team and player agent negotiate a new deal. I think it's fascinating. If I'm on the player side, I'm going to look at it and say, okay, let's look at these war numbers for these arbitration eligible players, say, last year. Would they have come out ahead of where these players ended up? and then look at players for this year. I think it's fascinating. And this is this whole algorithmic part of this whole world right now, right? Algorithms are telling us what music to listen to, who to follow on social media, who to date, who to, what restaurants to go to based on our preferences. Now, algorithms also can just do it analytically. And that's what baseball will do. I think it's fascinating. I, I just think we're at an age where in baseball, a lot of managers are just managing by the algorithm, by the percentages, by the quantitative analysis. 
And we do have some of that in football, of course, going for it on fourth down, not as many people do as they should. But these are all things coming into play. So as we hit 2022 in two months, I'm like, we're in a new age. So I'm going to be fascinated to see if baseball collective bargaining hits on these two areas. Number one, free agency move from six years in the majors to age 29 and a half, or maybe another age. I think they do something similar in hockey. And number two, whether arbitration eligible players, players who up after year three, four, and five of their career will not go through the traditional salary arbitration process and maybe even just be paid according to this to the algorithm, according to war, wins over replacement. Fascinating. All right. Something to think about. We'll revisit it. Hope you enjoyed this Brant's Rants edition. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew Brandt, on Instagram, Andrew Brandt, to my newsletter. Go to Andrew-Brandt and sign up. I got a lot of NFL, NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball executives signing up now, league people. It's You can be part of this as well. Andrew-Brandt.com comes to your inbox every Sunday morning. I am writing for Sports Illustrated, a column every week, and of course, Thursday night Twitch. Go to Andrew Brandt Live, and you'll see me, of course, with our good friend Ross Tucker on Wednesday morning as well. Always great to do this. Uh, Apple Podcasts, rankings, comments, always appreciated. Please throw them in there if you can. Give us a good rating. I appreciate all your support. We're ably produced by Brian Neal, music producer of that music you hear, one Sam Brand. And I'll be back next week with another edition of The Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt.